Welcome to Gamers Over 50 podcast. I am going to start this podcast by letting everyone know that I have gone back and I'm re-episoding the titles of the episode, not the actual audio of the episode, to show the correct episode number. And this kind of got out of hand when I started doing two-part episodes, and then I was like, uh-oh, I better fix that, because I'm going to start wondering what the episode number is, and I did that with this episode, and this is actually episode 20, Games About Books and Books About Games, and we have not gone to the into the future four episodes, or just a bunch of multi-part episodes that we had in there that kind of bounce us up to this. So I thought about this podcast, because I've had about four or five ideas going on at the same time. And then there's, you know, another new idea comes in or it's like, oh, you can go play D&D over here or there. And so this podcast really started because it, I want to preface this, almost all video games or people who play games, boards, you know, any tabletop, board, dice, card, video, tablet, phone, PC, console, cabinet, have all had... A lot of games prefaced out of the books of J.R.R. Tolkien. And instead of going deep into these games, I could spend an entire podcast. I could spend, I could probably create a whole other podcast just about Tolkien and how he has influenced so much of the world and so much of our culture and so many things, uh, especially games. But uh, one of the things I decided was, you know what, I'm going to go a little bit more obscure, maybe not super obscure on the books. Um, but wanted to preface that with, Hey, I'm not going to do the Tolkien thing. Cause I could totally go on this for hours and days. I could spend years of my life and, and there are people who have spent a considerable amount of time analyzing it for you. So please do that. But if you've never read any Tolkien books and you're going, you know what? You guys talk about this J.R. guy all the time. Go get a copy of the Hobbit. Please read it you'll probably be interested in it. It's good. I've never had anyone come back to me and say, oh, The Hobbit, I hated that thing. Uh, But if you do have a young person, I actually found The Hobbit in fourth grade. I was in chess club and my friend Stacy and I read The Hobbit and we actually started, we lived next door and we started reading it. And when we would finish a chapter, we'd call each other and then we'd go outside and talk about it. And it would be like at like nine o'clock at night on a Thursday, you know, sitting outside. Her dad worked at Kellogg's, so it was always fun because you have a bowl of cereal with it, too. So, anywho, not going to talk about Tolkien. We're on episode 20. We have gone forward a little bit. And so, we're going to talk about some games that were inspired by books first. And some of these games I've played, and some of these games I have not, and I will now be looking to play them. But the very first one, and some people may not believe this, but is Assassin's Creed. And it is written by Vladimir Bartol, and it's the novel Alamut, which centers on a guy named Hassan E. Sabah. And he's a missionary, a Persian missionary, who goes to a small community in the 11th century and forms, oh boy, and I really hope there's no assassins that are going to get me for this one, but the Hashashin, or Hashashin, and basically, that's going to further the order. This is a group of this is a group of assassins, and you know they they believe nothing is absolute reality; all is permitted. So that means they can go and kill and murder and do all that fun stuff they like to do. Um, anyhow, but that's the book that actually inspired Assassin's Creed. And I apologize for if there was a beep in the background. That was our 
Discord server, which we'll go into that soon. That's actually one of those topics that I want to get into uh, because it is going into communications. But back to Assassin's Creed, it was actually created out of an 11th century book, which is pretty cool. Um, and I really like that it was created and it's it's very stayed true to form because some of the games I've played um, and, you know, the game is and, and there's so many of them actually at this point, but they, you know, they've kind of taken that absolute reality and say nothing is true. But, you know, absolute reality and true. If you're a person who likes proofs, GL, you know, geometric proofs like myself, then I guess nothing in true and absolute reality are the same. Um, but, you know, the first one of these actually takes place outside of, you know, around the 11th century, the Crusades, etc. And you have an assassin taking down, oh, who, who else but the Knights Templar because they're part of the Crusades. Um, Alamut doesn't really talk about how there are any, and then the Assassin's Creed, and I don't want to ruin the game for anybody, but this was what makes it good, is that there's, you know, high-tech ancient uh, controls, so things that control humanity, or you can basically change humanity's actions that are developed for this. Uh, you know, and it's a ser series of magical artifacts and, and mis you know, basically preventing something. So I really, I haven't played the first game. I've actually played the third game. I got it for free. So of course, you're playing it for free. Um, and what's even kind of neat is that you have the book, you have the games, there's also a movie, but you have to wait because that movie podcast is also another one of those um, going down a little bit or going down to the next step and actually going north, I guess, because we were talking about the first one is in Persia. Uh, the Witcher is a book and it is a Polish short story and it came out of the 80s. Ah, I feel really bad. I apologize. And I know some really cool people from Poland. Uh, Andrzej Sapkowski's. And I think I got his last name correct, but I apologize, um, Andrzej, uh, if that is not your first name. But, you know, it's quickly, it, it became one of these more, you know, popular fiction series. And I was sitting here kind of thinking in my head, and then I went to a friend of mine who's not a gamer, and I said, what do you think is a really popular American book? And they're like, oh, and I live in the Pacific Northwest. They're like, oh, Twilight. And I'm like, no, well, okay, maybe, but no, that's here. And they're like, oh, oh, Fifty Shades. I'm like, oh, okay, stop. You just got to quit with the Pacific Northwest books. But, the, you know, that's it's an interesting thought because there are books that fit regions, like the uh, book in, in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, or Midnight in the Garden. Yeah, I think that's what, the book that is out of, uh, out of Savannah. And so, you know, you have these regional books that fit into it. But what's really kind of cool and what I liked, and I actually have read the short story because I thought it was really good, um, is that you have in the Witcher, you have a character who is very flawed fighting. He's fighting evil, but it, you know, he has this like gray ethics. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit in Dungeons and Dragons. We have like, you know, people who are very lawful and people who are very not lawful. And this person's kind of in the middle. So it makes this character very interesting. Um, it makes him kind of fun. And the character, the main character, uh, Geralt, that's in it, uh, is, you know, he's, he, he basically goes through and you change how the game can be as you're playing it. So you may, you know, be 
you can, you know, change some of the effects of what you're doing as you go through the book, not or through the game, not through the book, but it's it's written per the book um, because it does have that great ethics built around it. Now, what's interesting is the uh, what this is kind of funny though, right? Is this is a, uh, the Americanizing of it all? Is that the series is known as, and I hate to say this, Weedman. I hope that's Weedman, Weedman, Weidman, W-I-E-D-M-I-N. Um, but when it got translated, it got translated into Hexer, which really isn't like a normal cool book. So the game developers, and it's the project or CD Project Red group, decided to say, hey, let's just change this thing to Witcher. Now, again, Witcher, like the Assassin's Creed, actually has a Netflix series that has come out this year. Um Oh, and I forgot to say, uh, in the Assassin's Creed, the lead character is played by Michael Fassbender, uh, who is a really, really good art actor. He's been in tons of stuff, uh, but it's kind of interesting he gets to play that character, but he's also played uh, the character Magneto for the X-Men in the, those movies, which, apologies for anyone who I've just crossed into the boundaries of comic books from games. Um, anyhow, I think Magneto is in some games. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, but Henry Cavill plays you know, Gerald, the character in the Witcher series. And I've heard really good things about it. I've uh, had a little battle with Netflix. So we're going to see if I get Netflix soon. If I cut the cord, I'll get Netflix. Um, but you may remember Henry Cable. He uh, was the latest Superman. And he's probably pretty close to being a, a good, as they say, a good Superman, or he looks like a Superman. So you've, you know, you've got that person. Now, the next book is kind of off the charts a little bit. And then we're going to go back on the charts for a second. But there's a book called Parasite Eve. And it is a really cool concept. So the book is talking about the mitochondria that live inside our bodies. You know, they're basically living in there and they're they're keeping their time. And at one point they decide at the you know perfect evolutionary time that they're going to take over and control people's genetic code. And so the uh, the author, and, oh boy, I apologize. I think I can get this last, last part of the name. Hideaki uh, Sina, Hideaki Sina's novel, Parasite Eve, really creates this chilling book where you have this parasite known as, air quotes, Eve, and she awakens and starts controlling people that she comes into. And so in order to have a perfect life form, Eve is adjusting the human condition. Uh, it's actually kind of a horror movie or book. I think it was actually in a movie at some point. I have to look on that one. That's This is the one I wasn't really able to find it because the movie Parasite just won the Oscars and stuff uh, here in 2020. But what's kind of crazy about this is the book was published in 95, 1995. And just in case we ever go into the next millennium, I don't think that'll happen. I hope so. It'd be really cool. But, you know, this book was translated into English in 2007. So for 12 years, people say in the United States or really anywhere that people speak English didn't have a chance to enjoy this book. Um, bummer, of course, right? You know, so the game, which is created by Squaresoft, and Squaresoft used to be a huge RPG. Well, they still are huge RPG group, uh, created the, the game as a sequel. So it's not taking the book and making it into a game. It was created into a sequel, which is really cool because it's a different concept is that you can read the book 
and then now go and play the next step in the book, which I think is a really awesome concept. It's kind of why Parasite jumped out at me. Um, but you do play as a police officer, and you have a six-day period where New York is kind of going to the dogs, and I'm not going to read exactly the author, and I'm going to give credits here in a minute. Uh, you know, but it, basically New York's not going well because Eve's coming back. And so that goes, you know, it gets kind of crazy. And one of the examples is you have a spontaneous combustion of a entire theater crowd was one of the examples. And so, you know, it's probably in the author said it's probably not the grossest thing you're going to see in New York city. I can, in, I can agree a little bit on that one. I've seen some kind of gross things, not really too much gross stuff. I love New York. New York's awesome. Um, good place to have games too. Awesome. So the last book that kind of turned into a game is from one of my favorite authors of all time. And uh, it'll weird people out when I say this, but I have a lot of favorite offers. So they go all over the board and I don't really follow political beliefs, but Bioshock and Bioshock is actually kind of a creation out of Ayn Rand's or Ayn Rand's. I like to say Ayn Rand because I think it's cool. Ayn Rand's novels of Atlas Shrugged. And you have the fountainhead and you have, you know, really going to that depth of it. And what's interesting is, is one of my favorite things, and I've always considered this to kind of, if I could have a long bumper or a bump, uh, license plate is to have who is John Galt or even just John Galt, if I can get eight letters on there. But that's really the, the premise is in the game Bioshock, it is who is Atlas. And these are all over the wall. So there's a lot of stuff that they, I'm not going to say they stole, they didn't steal, they borrowed, they used in Bioshock to make it a really cool game because Bioshock takes place in, in a separate location that's separate from the you know regular continuous land we all know of it called Rapture, which is kind of like in, in the Atlas Shrug book, you have uh, Galt's Gulch. And so, you know, Actually, isn't no, it's not an Atlas Shrug. Is it an Atlas Shrug? Oh, shoot. This is horrible. I've read all those books and now I'm having a, a complete brain fart. Anywho, so, you know, you have these characters that uh, look parallel to, say, somebody like a Howard Hughes or a Disney. And I've always wondered, kind of, would Steve Jobs be in that if that happened, you know, something like that happened today or if people were leaving. But you have uh, Ayn Rand and Andrew. And so Andrew Ryan is the character in. Bioshock, which if you are now doing the same thing I kind of did when I read this, is like, huh, Ayn Rand, Andrew, huh, those names kind of go together. And what's interesting is there's some quotes that really will that, that basically piece together, you know, kind of how Ms. Rand and everything worked in her space. You know, and they say in the book, it says, I am Andrew Rand, or in the in the game, I am Andrew Rand, I'm here to ask you a question. Is man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. And he says, then I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose impossible. I chose rapture, a city where the artist would not fear the censor, where the scientists would not be bound by petty morality, where the great would not be constrained by the small and the the sweat of your brow rapture can become your city as well. And it's very parallel to what John Galt says in the book. And it builds on, you know, a political theology. And I'm again, this isn't my personal opinion. This is just kind of out there, but it's called objectivism, which is built on capitalism. 
and the you know the reality, reason, and self-interest. And objectivism is designed is defined as the tendency to lay stress on what is external to to or independent of the mind. The belief that certain things, especially moral truths, exist independently of human knowledge or perception. So that's like you're you're choosing your own role, right? You're not following. You know, and while Ayn Rand was an atheist, you know, the the interesting thing is in what they talk about the invisible hand, which is a metaphor used to describe social benefits resulting from individual action. So let's say uh, in today's world, Elon Musk creates the power cell and that now say 20 years, 10 years from now, uh, basically it's helping power, you know, self portable generators so that for people who do not have a home, they can have a home or they can take that home, you know, that generator, that energy with them from their house to their car, et cetera. You know, he's, he's creating that. And yes, it just happens, but it does benefit everybody. So, you know, it's something where, it, it, you know, reaches down and it's not just used by people who can spend a lot of money. They reaches down. Um, and again, I don't want to get into too much of a, a, a ideological piece here, but you know, Bioshock was really one of those games that was introduced when I kind of went to PC games at the time. I was like, all right, I'm done with consoles for a little bit. And this has been 2007. And I was like going back, if I had seen this or I'd heard about this or even probably played it for 15, 20 minutes, um, I probably would have gotten into the philosophy side of it and the interest of the philosophy and the story and said, oh my goodness, this is just, you know, like an Ayn Rand novel. So, you know, think about uh, when you're looking at these books and these games, you know, we've talked about three or four very distinct games that are on there. And, you know, this one is the first kind of uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, ideological game that's got a, an ideological book behind a game. Um, so that was going into the deep end of the pool. Let's jump back into the into what we call the uh, other place. And let's talk about games that have inspired books. Uh, the first one that I'm going to pick on, and I'm going to pick on the, the one that has the least amount of titles behind it, but is Alan Wake. So Alan Wake is a psychological thriller game, and you follow this person who's a novelist in the game as he's trying to find his wife. And she's disappeared in a small town, and he keeps encountering things that have happened in his last book. And, you know, they've, they've changed, only changed from the way he remembers writing them. So Alan, you know, is starring this, like, a novelist. He's going through, um, and you know, the inception kind of your way inception way around it is you're diving into his thought stream and you have to get outside of the the logic that you would think it is. Um, because if you played the game, it's going to be a little, you know, games can, you can change or choose your, uh, not choose your adventure, but choose a pathway. Um, but it is pretty much written right out of the game. So Alan Wake, if you like the psychological psychological thriller, and you can play the game and then read the book, or you can read the book and then play the game, which, you know, a lot of people say, oh, don't read the book before you go to the movie, or I don't watch the movie and then read the book, and it'll totally ruin the movie. It's the read the book before you go to the movie, don't watch the movie before you go to the book. There's only one movie, in my opinion, that has done that, and we'll talk about that in another podcast. I know, super teaser. All right, the the other two are huge, huge game franchises. And the first one is Warcraft. 
And Warcraft released its very first game, Warcraft Orcs and Humans, in 1994. They have had 18 game titles since. Now, when I say they have 18 game titles, they've had the MMORPG, which is a massive multi-million online role-playing game. It's like, at one point, I think there were like 20 million people playing it. So they've had that, and they have expansions that are attached to that. But what's interesting about Warcraft, and we haven't done a huge podcast on them, just because, uh, it, you know, that's, again, going back to the same thing that we kind of talked um, about Tolkien, is it's huge. There's a lot of stuff going on. <clears throat> but most of the games and the books are centered around the, you know, the world of Azeroth, which, again, Got that fantasy setting. Thank you, JR. And you start out with basically looking at the human nations in there, and then you see the orcs and the horde, or the orcish horde, or the what's called the horde in there. And they come through a dark portal, and you know they're from a land called Draenor, and then ultimately it, it expands into all of the different new continents that have been brought into the Warcraft book. Now there are 36 books that have been written. So if you think since 1994, 2020, 26 years, over 26 years, we've released 18 games, but 36 books. So that's two books per game, which is kind of the way it could be, you know, because each time they release an expansion, you have, you know, the good side, the uh, which, you know, everyone will say is the alliance, unless you play on the horde side and you have the bad side, which is the horde people. So you could create a book for each one of those, but you can also go deeper into certain characters that have that changed the game or pivotal characters or like, you know, mega bosses that you have to go out after. Um, but, you know, really what's kind of cool about this is you've also had comic books that have come out of this. And I know comic books, some people say, oh, that's not a book. Too bad. Too bad. Comic books has books in the word. So you have comic books that have come out in both Blizzard, or sorry, Blizzard 3, uh, has delivered the people who wrote the game has created their own Wildstorm, a publisher has created them, and now DC Comics have published Warcraft comic books between 2007 and 2016. So you have a lot of them out there. Additionally, you have manga, which if you've never seen that, you never go to the go to the Barnes and Noble, or go to a bookstore, or go online too. But go to a bookstore and you'll see like the, ask them where the graphic novels are. And then you'll say, oh, but hey, where are the manga books? And they're probably right on the other side of the aisle or just down a little bit. But it is uh, great animation that goes along with it. So if you know someone who may be into or likes to play Warcraft a lot, you know, it might not hurt to say, hey, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go get them a Christmas gift or something that's one of the Warcraft books that they'll enjoy. So you have the Warcraft side of it there. And then finally, and this is the last one we'll go over is you have Halo. Now, Halo uh, originally was created by Bungie. Now it's created by and taken over by Microsoft. And um, I've actually got to meet the executive producer once and super, super amazing person. And apparently they're doing, uh, oh shoot, I can't remember if it's a TV or like a Netflix TV show. Um, I've just, I've heard that that is going on and she is providing a lot of information and don't like the name drop, so I won't. Um, but who, if you know who the executive producer is, you're like, well, yeah, very awesome, awesome person, super nice, nice person. Anywho, but the Halo novel project came after, you know, Halo really kind of got kicked off. And Halo was one of the original games on the Microsoft Xbox. So when it originally came out, huge, huge game. 
And, you know, everybody was thinking, oh, you know, next game, next game. Um, but what was interesting was the books, and this is what I love. Again, I read this off an article, so I have to read it verbatim. Contrary to popular belief, the project was overseen by Microsoft Game Studios Franchise Development Group and not by Bungie Studios. So when they started creating these novels, the Microsoft team saw, hey, we can create the novels. This is an amazing game. Let's let's do that. And I will tell you, I know a lot of people who are gamers that are into science fiction or fantasy novels and into art. And the art of some of these books is incredible. I'm going to finish up with that when we're all. But, you know, Microsoft kind of foresaw and as the Microsoft Bungie relationship kind of split apart a little bit, you know, the, uh, the Halo books started, you know, growing to where you had more and more Halo books. So a lot of those elements that, you know, eventually, you know, came out of a book that went into the game or came from the game, uh, or actually didn't really, like they were introduced after the book was created, uh, really happened right after three, four, three industries, which is who builds and writes Halo and everything came together um, and they really felt that there was this expanded connectivity between Halo Media and developing these novels and making those novels intertwine with the game. And, you know, you'll find people, and I've, I really do, I have, I've looked at the books, I've played the games, I've played Halo, and I've looked at the books, I've even read, they actually have graphic novels and things like that. It's fantastic. They really go deeper into the art and you get a little more character development that go along with them. So, you know, really looking at that. And what's great um, about those books is that you have, I think like the first three books were published by Del Rey and then Microsoft started working with Tor books and eventually uh, they published all the Halo novels from 2006 to 2014. So if you, you're a Halo person or you know a Halo person that might want to play, definitely connect them into the Halo books. And like I said, you, it might be one of those cool gifts where maybe they don't have one of the games and, you know, they maybe have skipped it or it was like the first Halo and you can grab the book that goes along, which gives them even a deeper story into it. So, you know, we talked about books that became games and there's some options of reading books. If you have a, if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, you now know what you get to read. Um, if you're someone who has, who's knows somebody who likes Warcraft, you're looking for a gift, you got lots of books going that direction, uh, going back and you can go maybe for watch the Witcher on, I think it's on Netflix. Um, you can go back and read the story and it gives a little more depth into your experience. And I think that's really kind of cool to find that there's literature that creates games and there's games that create literature. And in the same effect, effect, effect there are movies that create games and games that create movies, you know, and even on a deeper level, and this would be a, I may include movies and soundtracks in there. I'm amazed by when you buy certain games anymore, they actually have soundtracks. And we talked about this with in the indie games with Hacknet. So there are so many peripherals. So gaming isn't just, oh, I'm going to be playing a game on this laptop or this console or my phone. Or I'm also maybe going to sit back and I'm going to read a book to go in depth and find more about the characters and get a different point of view from a character. Because you only sometimes, you know, in the beginning when you're playing, you click through like learning about a character. The, and I may be speaking from that from experience, 
but it is really, really helpful. So, uh, you know, definitely go out, find a copy of Alamut if you want to, and read a little bit more about the Assassin's Creed gang, or I don't want to ruin it again. I'm so, I'm so sorry to all my Polish friends, but you can go read about Weedman, or if you're really into the kind of that cool horror genre, go get a copy of Parasite Eve. And again, if you like a thriller that you can play the game and you can read the book, Alan Wake, and then take a look at, you know, Bioshock and Ayn Rand. I will tell you the Ayn Rand books are really long, but they're kind of good. As well as the Warcraft and Halo franchise. And I really have to thank, because um, I did a lot of research, uh, Anthony Parada. And I hope I said his name right, about the Bioshock and the philosophy of Ayn Rand. And then John Barnelli, and he did really six surprisingly good books based on video games. And then David Roberts, who did 11 video games that are actually based on books, which are even more. And, you know, this allows me to have a second version of this pod, this type of podcast out in the future. Um, but it, it was really helpful to see that as well as taking, you know, again, our good friends at Wikipedia, please donate money to them. Please give them some money. If you, you know, get a tax return back, say, Hey, I'm going to give one or 2% over to Wikipedia. Fantastic information. And they check out the Warcraft page on the right hand side. They have an entire list of the games in when they released and stuff like that. Really cool stuff. So until next time, I hope you enjoy your gaming and we'll talk soon.